On this episode of Speaking of Higher Ed, conversations on teaching and learning. The modality principle, which is um, that we learn better from spoken words and visuals rather than visuals and written text. That again emphasizes why in a PowerPoint presentation we should not have a whole lot of text. Minimize text, maximize visuals, and talk. Using these principles in your course design, do you feel it makes teaching easier for you and takes some of your frustration um, out of the equation throughout the semester? The design process uh, is more extensive, right? Because I'm, I'm considering all those things and, and actually reducing the, the amount of extre uh, extraneous information is not easy. Welcome to Speaking of Higher Ed, conversations on teaching and learning. I'm your host, Andrew Everett. This podcast is produced by the Center for Instructional Innovation at Augusta University. The purpose of Speaking of Higher Ed is to create a resource that will inspire and assist faculty in creating engaging and meaningful learning experiences. Please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use and share this episode with a colleague. We release new episodes on the third Wednesday of each month in spring and fall semesters. Our guest today is... Arthur Takahashi. Thanks for being with us, Arthur. Thanks for having me. Before we dive into the topic for today, I'd like listeners who don't know you to learn a little about you. So briefly, tell me about the path that led you to Augusta University. Well, uh, the, the path is a little bit long, I guess, but let me try to summarize it. So I'm originally from uh, Brazil, uh, came to the U.S. for college and uh, got my degree, my undergraduate degree in uh, communication and uh, have a master's degree as well uh, in uh, history, uh, for both from Winthrop University. And after I graduated from college, my first job out of college was here in Augusta at then WRDW News 12. Today, uh, News 12 is News 12 NBC 26. Uh, so I started there um, as a production assistant and um, moved up to a uh, photographer uh, for, for a while and then news promotions producer and stayed at News 12, had good years there for about uh, four years. And then I came to Augusta University uh, in public relations and um, worked in public relations for about three, four years as well. And now I'm an instructional designer with the Center for Instructional Innovation and also um, adjunct faculty for the Department of Communication and also the Department of Social Sciences. So quite a path. Yes, uh, long journey to, to, to be here. And how long have you been teaching? So the first time that I taught uh, was actually baptism by fire. Um, I taught the first full semester during the pandemic. And uh, so very challenging already because it was my first semester teaching. Uh, but also under the circumstances uh, that we all know now, which is, you know, masking, social distancing, uh, hybrid uh, teaching. You know, it's basically teaching the same course uh, twice because uh, I had half the students in class while half were uh, doing work from home. Um, so, so that was fall of 2020. And then I taught for two semesters. Uh, and then this semester was my third semester teaching. I suppose you learned a lot of interesting lessons teaching in the early days of COVID. What what lesson stands out? What what did you have to what did you recognize in your teaching approach that you had to change because of COVID? 
Well, so um, going into that semester, first of all, I was mentally trying to prepare for, for everything, trying to prepare for the possibility of going online at any point during the semester, which fortunately did not happen. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest thing for me at the time was uh, teaching with compassion. Um, you know, I mean, to me, uh, college years were uh, were awesome. You know, I um, had a lot of fun, uh, made a lot of friends and, uh, you know, friends for a lifetime, really. And going into that semester teaching, you know, I, I really felt sorry for the students because they were, in my mind at least, uh, robbed from uh, some of their best years uh, of their lives, right? So I think the first thing in my mind was uh, teaching with compassion, teaching with the understanding that they're going through a lot. And as we can see from all the mental health statistics, uh, it's been very rough on young people uh, all over the world, but, uh, but here in the U.S. as well. And uh, I witnessed that in, uh, in my class. You know, a lot of students reaching out by email and, and saying, hey, professor, this is what, uh, what's happening with me, uh, not being able to make to class or asking for deadline extensions. And so a lot of st stuff going on in their personal lives. And um, because that was my first semester teaching, I think the biggest lesson that I learned from that was that compassion comes a long way in teaching. It makes you closer to your students. It makes them trust you uh, as a human being and uh, by extension, trust you as a professor as well. And in that environment where they feel good about being in a classroom where the professor understands them, uh, that's, that's a really good environment, uh, ripe environment for learning. So that's what I try to take to the classroom every time that I teach. So you could say that you were embodying the value that our university has of compassion on a on a daily basis. Yes, I, I guess you could definitely <laughs> say that. I was trying my best to embody that um, that value. Because that probably informed the the multimedia learning approaches you took, and that's our topic today: multimedia learning. But before we talk about applying those principles, uh, can you tell me what multimedia learning is? Yes. Yeah, so. Um, the, the main scholar, the leading scholar in multimedia learning is uh, Richard Mayer. And uh, he has you know, 30 plus years of research uh, in, in this field. And the way he defines multimedia learning is basically learning uh, from words and pictures. I like to call them words and visuals. Um, um, to me, I think visuals, uh, I, I don't know, just like, I just like that word bad, but essentially learning from words and uh, in pictures. And words, in this case, can be written words, like in a textbook uh, or in a PowerPoint presentation, uh, but it could also be spoken words. So any 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 instructional, instructional material that you have in your course uh, that presents the content uh, using words and uh, visuals and pictures, uh, that's considered multimedia. So what are the uh, the theories, the research that support multimedia learning? Well, so uh, there, there's a lot. Uh, there's research on the theory uh, behind multimedia learning. 
and they're also practical principles. And that's something that Mayer is very specific uh, in his uh, uh, multimedia learning textbook. And uh, that he wants something that is theory-based, but also based on, on, on research, and also something that is practical for instructors. Because otherwise, if you just live in the theory world and you don't uh, come up with those principles that people can easily apply, uh, it, you know, for, for instruction, that's, you know, that, that's not a good thing. Uh, in, in, in his in his uh, mind, in his perspective. So uh, there's a lot of research that, that backs that up. And basically, the point of uh, his, his body of work, his 30 years of research, is that we learn better from words and pictures than from words alone. Uh, so if I can summarize, and, and he summarizes his research that way as well. Uh, yep, that basically learning is better through words and uh, and pictures. So what are some of the, well, I guess first, before we talk about um, some of the principles you use in your course design, tell us a few of the principles that he talks about or a few of the, the I guess, the dominant or top principles. Yeah, so before talking about the, the principles, I think it's important for us to, uh, to, to focus on some of the instructional design goals that Richard Mayer talks about. And the first goal is whenever we design a course, develop a course, is to reduce uh, extraneous processing, right? So basically reduce uh, all those um, elements in your course that are irrelevant to uh, your learning objectives. So anything that is, you know, it, it doesn't pertain to the learning objectives, you can get rid of that. Right, so that's one instructional goal. Another instructional goal is to uh, manage essential processing, basically helping students um, build mental uh, mental models of what you are teaching. Start start helping them organize uh, that content in their minds. Right. So that's the second instructional uh, design goal, and the third instructional design goal is to foster generative processing motivate your students to deeply understand uh, that content, to relate that content to um, things that they already know, to prior knowledge, right? And that's how you construct, how you build new knowledge, All right? So based on those three uh, goals of multimedia learning, then uh, Richard Mayer has done extensive, he and his team and other authors uh, as well have done extensive research on uh, principles that can help you meet those specific uh, instructional goals, right? And in his latest uh, edition of his book, of his main textbook, which is called Multimedia Learning, uh, he lays out basically 15 uh, multimedia learning principles. Five of those principles can help you as an instructor, as a designer, uh, with the first instructional goal, which is to reduce uh, ex extraneous processing. Then there are three goals that help you uh, help your students manage essential processing. And then I think it's, uh, it's missing what, seven? Yeah, seven um, um, principles that relate to uh, helping your students foster generative processing. So, and then those principles can get very specific as well in, 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 in recommendations. So with the, the three different goals, 
they build on each other. Those principles build from one one part of a learning theory to another or well, so uh, they're all they're all necessary, basically, right? Uh, so and 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 that's why those are three important goals. You can't just do one and not worry about the others, because the main goal is to get to a point where your students are able uh, to really connect what they're learning at that moment with uh, things that they already know to build this new knowledge. So that's I mean that's the ultimate uh, goal there. But in order to get to that point, we need to uh, help them by reducing uh, irrelevant information from the course, by building instructional materials in a way that will help them um, construct that knowledge, right? And then uh, finally getting to a point where they're connecting uh, that, that content with prior knowledge. So all three are important. And this is based on one of the assumptions of uh, Richard Marriott's um, theory, the cognitive theory of multimedia learning, uh, which is that as human beings, uh, yes, we're very smart, but we have limited uh, capacity to process information. So if we overload that capacity, we're only going to learn so much, right? And that's the idea behind reducing that irrelevant information, because we don't need to process information that is not relevant for learning, right? Uh, and then helping with that process as well. So by managing those first two steps, we can get to a point where we still have some cognitive capacity free uh, to be able to engage in generative processing. Right? So all three are actually uh, important for us to get to that uh, end goal of achieving understanding. Uh, so for a faculty, how, what's the <coughs> first principle you look at as a faculty um, member What's the first principle you look to to reduce extraneous load? Yeah, I think um, all of us are guilty uh, to a certain extent because we're passionate about our field and we have done what, what, what we are doing for a long time. Um, we tend to uh, try to include too much in, in, in our courses. And, you know, uh, to be sincere, I start from uh, from that point where, okay, this is all this is all the information that I like for students to know, right? Um, but then, you know, focusing on my learning objectives. Okay, but this is, you know, entry-level course, introductory course. Okay, what are really the learning objectives that students need to meet um, for, for this level of a course, right? And then from there, I start looking at my, uh, my, my content and thinking, okay, you know, this is actually relevant. We don't need this. So really getting rid of the extraneous irrelevant information first, both uh, words and pictures. If there are pictures that are only for decorative purposes and just taking up space, I mean, that's image. That's an image that students are going to have to look at and process. They're spending that very limited cognitive capacity that Richard Mayer talks about. So really getting rid of all that extraneous information, uh, in my mind, is the, the first step and the first step that I go uh, through as well. And this is the principle that uh, Richard Mayer refers to as the uh, coherence uh, principle. So really just start by getting rid of all the irrelevant information. And the way Richard Mayer defines that is information that does not help your students meet your course's learning uh, objectives. So once you've, you've removed some of the extra stuff, 
what do you look to next? What principle do you use next? Well, then, um, then it depends, right? Uh, but you know, in any course, uh, you can get rid of that extraneous information first. Right? Then I start looking at some uh, other things, like do I present um, the visual information that reinforces the uh, the words, either written or the words that I'm saying? Do I present that uh, close to each other? So if I uh, design a, a lesson, for example, and put that in D2L, uh, are my visuals like with the text that they refer to, right? So that's what Richard Richard Mayer refers to as the uh, spatial uh, uh, contiguity principle, right? Because if they are in different pages, for example, um, then you know that hurts learning, uh, according to his research. Another one too, if I'm producing a, a video or if I am um, lecturing from a PowerPoint presentation, um, what I say, my words, right, my voice, uh, are they presented at the same time as the visuals that reinforce what I'm saying? Because if they are not, it's the same thing, right? Uh, we are hurting learning. And that's the principle that Richard Mayer refers to as the temporal uh, contiguity, uh, contiguity uh, principle. Right, so then I start looking at some of that. Then we're getting more into the multimedia territory, right? Um, and um, so I guess that that's what I start looking at. And again, this is all these are all principles that refer to reducing extraneous processing. Right? Um, something that I really like to do as well, especially in the an introductory course, um, is what we what what Richard Mayer calls the pre-training principle, which is um, basically presenting information, uh, the context or, or some of the main concepts before students are exposed to a multimedia presentation. Um, so to expand on that, let's say that I'm going to do a, a PowerPoint lecture on a specific topic, right? And I, I, I produce this PowerPoint presentation with a lot of visuals, you know, I know I'm going to be speaking. Uh, so I don't want too much text. Again, not crowding the PowerPoint slides too much, right? Uh, to to decrease, reduce that extraneous processing. And uh, but you know, I know that my students are in this introductory course. So many of them, if not most of them, uh, don't know anything about this topic. And I know that I'm going to be mentioning some jargon from uh, from from my field. Well, if I'm going to be mentioning those things. Chances are most of my students may not know what those jargons are. So preparing them uh, before that multimedia presentation with information on definition of jargons, making sure that they understand the overall context of what I'm talking about, that's pre-training, right? So they should know all that before they come into uh, the classroom for, for that multimedia presentation. So I start looking into those things as well. And uh, then I, I, I start thinking about the generative processing. How can I help motivate my students to, um, to engage in generative processing, to start connecting the presentation uh, that I'm giving them with things that they already know, with prior knowledge, right? Um, you know, high embodiment from the instructor, that's important. That's the high embodiment principle. And that means that I maintain eye contact with my students. So I'm not looking back and reading from a PowerPoint presentation. 
Again, that's why it's also important to reduce text from a PowerPoint presentation because then it forces me not to look back, but to look at my students. Eye contact, maintaining eye contact is part of high embodiment. Um, you know, talking with natural uh, hand gestures, right? Being animated that way uh, because it shows passion, right? So according to Mayer's research, that also uh, helps students learn better if we present information that way. Um, another thing, and that pertains more to managing essential processing, but the modality principle, which is um, that we learn better from spoken words and visuals rather than visuals and written text. Um, uh, and that, again, emphasizes why in a PowerPoint presentation, we should not have a whole lot of text uh, on, on our slides, right? Minimize text, maximize visuals, and talk, right? Because then students can process that audio information, right? And then the visuals uh, with that, instead of trying to read the text, listen to you, and also uh, look at the visuals. Too much information, cognitive overload, overload students don't learn uh, as well. They become frustrated, right? Yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah, so we have to be very careful with uh, um, cognitive overload. So as an instructor, using these principles in your course design, do you feel it makes things easy, it makes teaching easier for you and takes some of your frustration um, out of the equation throughout the semester? So that, that's a good question. I, I would say that uh, the design process uh, is more extensive, right? Because I'm, I'm considering all those things uh, and, and actually reducing the, the amount of extre uh, extraneous information, uh, of redundant information, uh, is not easy. Uh, again, because we're passionate about our field, so we want to make sure that our students know uh, um, uh, what they need to know. And sometimes we go, we go a little bit overboard, right? Um, so, so the design development process of a course uh, gets more complicated. So there's more suffering there involved. But once you have your course uh, designed and developed and you are facilitating that course, that's really how I approach uh, uh, instruction. I'm not, I'm not really teaching. I'm facilitating that content uh, to, to my students. Uh, that process tends to be easier because you reduce the frustration on the part of the students. I actually put all my lessons uh, in, in the 2 l even for a face-to-face -face course, and students go through that. I mean, I could assign a textbook of, you know, 150, 200 uh, pages uh, on, on video production covering the exact same topics, uh, or I could write my own content, uh, use my own visuals, and reduce that to the equivalent of maybe for the entire semester, 40 pages, 30, 40 pages. So I'm really reducing all that extraneous information that students absolutely do not need and that we tend to see a lot in textbooks, right? Uh, the did you know sections, right? Uh, students probably don't need to know that, um, especially not in an introductory uh, course. So, uh, so what I've seen is that the facilitation process, the, the actual teaching process is uh, much easier. The design process tends to get more complicated. Hmm. And do your students, do they recognize that there's less 
content for them to become overwhelmed by? Do you hear feedback on that in in the surveys at the end of the semester or during the semester? So um, that's a great question. Uh, what I would say is that I don't wait for them to make that comment. First day of class, I'm very transparent with them. And I think it goes back to that idea of compassion in teaching. Um, you know, we, we have uh, more recent research that also shows that there's no learning without emotion. So if you uh, help students get into that emotional state where they're ready to uh, pay attention to what you're saying, and part of that is trusting you as, as, as a faculty member, right? Uh, they are more likely to learn. So in the first day of class, I actually tell my students, I don't have a required textbook. And here's why, because uh, research shows that um, students learn better from summaries of textbooks than from the textbooks. And um, in the case of video production, which is uh, the field that, that I teach, you know, I, I really don't think students need necessarily a, a textbook, especially in a course that is an introduction. So I tell them that upfront and I say, all the content that you're gonna have that you're gonna need is right here in D2L. Uh, it's lessons that I have developed uh, and they're much shorter than what you, you would have in a, in a textbook. And that's intentional because I don't want you reading 30 pages when you could just read a short lesson, right? Uh, so, so they know that from the get-go. I don't know, maybe that's why I don't get comments about it because I'm very uh, honest and transparent with, with them upfront. Now, I will say that I do have uh, two textbooks that I do recommend, right? And what I tell them is, if you are, because my course is a, a requirement for the communication major, and uh, I, I tell them, if you want to pursue video production as a field, you should probably buy these two books and go a little more in depth. If you plan uh, just to use video production um, as an additional skill, but that's not your focus, you probably don't need the textbook. And the information that I'm giving you here in class will, will be enough, right? Um, so, and there are some students that actually end up buying the textbook because they want to learn more. And I, I do have recommendations for chapters that they should read that match what we're talking about in that specific week and module, uh, but it's not required. And it's really just for the ones who are really interested in going to the video production field. So you're, you're applying these principles in your introductory courses. So what about higher level courses? These principles still work, right? Well, so one of the things that uh, Richard Mayer is, uh, is doing right now, expanding his research on, and if you read his uh, third edition of, of his multimedia learning textbook, uh, he says that there, that he needs to do more research on the boundaries for each principle. Mm -hmm. And what he means by that is, yeah, these principles, they do work, uh, but there are certain occasions where the effect of those principles are not as uh, significant. Right? And there are some principles that do not apply as well for more advanced students. So students who know more about the topic. So that's something that we need to consider too when we are uh, using his principles. And um, yeah, so he, he's expanding the research in that as, uh, aspect as well. Well, you already talked about this as the course design 
is a little more strenuous than the teaching, which is a benefit. So once you start teaching during the semester, it's a little easier on you as an instructor. But what other challenges have you faced in trying to um, implement these principles in your in your instruction? Okay, so challenges that I have faced in implementing the principles in in actually teaching. Well, so I would say that um, you know coming from an instructional design. Uh, perspective. Um, sometimes when we give faculty training or, or advice, uh, you can see that some faculty may be thinking that they need to implement all those strategies all at once, all in the next uh, term, in the next semester. And uh, course design is actually a, more of a, uh, an iter iterative process. Right, so uh, I think the struggle that I have had uh, is okay. You know, I, I even though I do want to implement all of that, all those principles in 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 my course, um, I have to go in stages. Right, so fall of 2020, I had version 1.0 uh, of the course, and I got feedback from students. I encouraged them to give me feedback because that's the only way that I'm gonna improve my teaching in the course itself, uh, based on that feedback, uh, version 2.0 for spring of uh, 2021. And then I didn't teach, I took a hiatus of, of a year. Uh, and in that, in that time, I was able to get the feedback that I got from those two semesters and then launch a much better, in my opinion, version 3.0. So this version has a whole lot more visuals. Uh, there are more videos as well. Uh, I think the PowerPoint uh, presentations uh, uh, in, in, in class, they, they are better, they are more visual, they use more of those principles. Uh, but I think it's important uh, for, for any, any faculty, I guess, uh, and me included, to understand even though we want to um, implement everything that we learn in, in uh, um, faculty development courses, we can't, we have limited time, right? So if we can implement a little bit, one semester, improve upon that for the following semester. Uh, I think that's a better way of thinking about it. It takes the anxiety away, but we also understand that the, we're in for, for, the long, for the long journey, for the long walk. Right? I think that's probably the most challenging thing of implementing these principles. It really needs to be done over the course of semesters. Arthur, thank you for this great conversation about multimedia learning. As we wrap up, I'd like to ask our continuing the conversation question, which is, what resources would you point a colleague to who wants to dig deeper on this topic? Uh, they, they begin with uh, the leading author, and that's Richard Mayer. He has a lot of information, a lot of YouTube lessons that he, he has given, uh, speaking in uh, different universities or conferences. Uh, and if they want more of, of an academic treatment, uh, then I definitely recommend the third edition of Richard Mayer's Multimedia Learning Textbook. Any other tips on implementation? Well, um, I guess when it comes to multimedia learning or any instructional strategy, I think the most important thing is what I, uh, uh, what I said uh, a few minutes ago, which is you know, try to implement a little bit at a time. And, and that's okay. Know that especially the first, second time, even third time you know, uh, that you teach a course, uh, you know that there are things that you need to improve. Uh, but as long as you get there, little by little, 
you're going to be okay, right? Uh, in trying to implement everything at once is very stressful. Faculty have a, a very high workload uh, with all the things that have going besides teaching, right? And um, so take that anxiety from you and, and just think, you know, let me make one improvement per semester. And, you know, in, uh, you know, five, six terms, you're going to have a much better course than you had when you taught it the first time. Thanks for these great tips, Arthur. Also want to thank our listeners. Please share this episode with a colleague on your social media and please subscribe. We release new episodes the third Wednesday of each month in spring and fall semesters. You can find the resources we discussed today on our show page at augusta.edu forward slash innovation, facebook.com forward slash A-U-G-C-I-I. And you can also email us at cii at augusta.edu with your ideas for future episodes or questions about this episode. Just add podcast to the subject line. Speaking of Higher Ed is produced by the Center for Instructional Innovation at Augusta University.